When I began to listen to that, I began to envision, I began to envision exactly what they're singing about. I began to envision death trying to hold, trying to hold him down. And just like death couldn't hold Jesus down, Lord, have mercy. I decree and declare right now that death cannot hold. And, and I, just, I, I just dare somebody in here just to give death a few bones. You can't hold me. Can you imagine death trying to hold you? And, and you, death can't, you can't hold me. You can't hold me down. <laughs> Hallelujah. Some of you just need to declare into the atmosphere. You can't hold me down any longer. I, I dare you to declare that in the atmosphere. You can't hold me down any longer. I'm, I'm no longer the victim. I'm no longer broken. I'm no longer depressed. I'm no longer suicidal. I'm no longer. You can't hold me down any. Sometimes you just got to go ahead and let the enemy know. I ain't sick no more. <laughs> I don't rock with low self-esteem no more. I don't care about what people think about me no more. Death cannot hold. Death can't hold me. I dare you to speak to your enemy right now and let it know you can't hold me no more. We were, when I was younger, yeah, 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 somebody needs to press into that. I'm bigger than what I'm going through. I was told that I'm the head and not the tail. I was told that I was going to live and not die. I dare somebody press into that this morning. Hey, hey, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I dare somebody to give him a praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. <laughs> She's starting to have been here this morning, amen. Hey, in the rafters. Hey. Hey. Hallelujah. <laughs> I dare you give him a praise today. <laughs> I dare you give him a praise right now. Hey! If you know death ain't got you no more, I dare you.
Come on. I, I got to praise, I got to praise, and I got to get it out. I, I got to... I've got a praise and I got it. Come on, I dare you. If you've been sitting down on your praise all week long and you know that God has been keeping you in the midst of your hell, in the midst of your issues, in the midst of your drama, I dare you get it out today. Building. Let's give God a hand clap. Can we, can we hand clap him today? Everybody don't dance, but somebody can clap your hands. Can we hand clap him today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, hey. We bless the Lord. God, you've been good to me. We bless the Lord. Excited to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I, I ain't talking to everybody this morning. But for those of you that's been through a little bit of hell and high water, you. For those of you that's been attacked on every side, you know what I'm. You know what I'm talking about today. And I just bless somebody in the house. He, he ain't looking for all of us to dance, but, but sometimes he just accepts the smile. I couldn't do nothing but smile just a minute ago, because, and all I was thinking about is how good he is. I, I don't two-step, you understand, but I can smile because when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul, my soul. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? Hey, hey, hey. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, hallelujah. When I look back over my life and I begin to think it over, <laughs> yeah. hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank God, thank God for saving, thank God for saving me. Notice the saying doesn't say, thank God he saved me. Because the saving is a process. It is continual. Every, every day he is saving me. Amen. And on the strength that every day that he is saving me, on the strength that he is saving me, I have a reason to shout every day. Amen. I have a reason to give him a praise every day. And I know that sometimes life can be so catastrophic, life can be so tragic, life can be so 
unbalanced on the scale of things not going your way that it, we can forget to give God a praise. But a hint or a witness of your maturity in God is when things don't have to be going your way at all, but you still have a praise on your lips. I believe it. I believe David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. He didn't say, I'm a blessing when it's working out in my favor. He didn't say, I'm a blessing when I got all the money in the bank that I desire. Watch this. He didn't say, I'm going to bless him when my body is healed. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. And when I understand that I save a continual God, Lord, have mercy, that is continually saving me. See, sometimes I have to understand that my maturity level in God does not grant me the opportunity to understand all that he's doing for me all the time. But when it is that I can grasp the understanding that even when I don't see him, he's working it out on my behalf. Amen. Even, even when I don't understand, it does not negate the fact of him being God. He is still God. And he is still being God in our lives. One more time, let's just give God a hand clap of praise. Yeah. He's worthy. We bless God for all, all of our visitors that are here with us. Today, we welcome you to the Unity Worship Center. And we pray that we will see your glorious faces again in the near future. Real quick, before we uh, send our middle school and high school off, we have a few announcements to make real quick. Hallelujah. Hey. Yeah, yeah. I want you to get used to us just not keeping the normal order of things. Because when we set the normal order of things, it's just this is just how it's going to be no matter what. What happens is oftentimes we miss God. Amen. I promise you, Cracker Girl, Cracker Girl going to be there when it's over. Lunch special going to be there when it's over. But we've got to stop intruding on God's space and time. Amen? Amen. So just a quick uh, few announcements real quickly, and I pray that you take them uh, to heart. And I know that we've got people on, on the line, and we've got several people missing today. But we want them to be sure to know that uh, we need help with this cleaning crew. We need help with the cleaning crew. Amen? If you desire to be a help with the cleaning crew, Kevin, raise your hand, please. You can come and see Kevin after service. Come and see Kevin after service if you, do, if you desire to be able to help with the cleaning crew. I want to explain to you real quickly the seating. You see some of the ropes, and uh, I was trying to make it cosmetic pretty at first, uh, but that cost $10 more per yard, so we didn't do that. <laughs> uh, so, so I want you to understand what we're doing here is because I know that when things get different, uh, a lot of times people don't agree with it. So. What we're doing is when we're on lives and things of this nature, or just when you walk in and you see all of these 357 chairs, and then you see the numbers not be 357 and everybody is all sporadically spaced out, it looks bad. It looks bad, and, and get this, it gives you no real opportunity to worship as a community. You understand what I'm saying to you? My desire as we begin to grow here at, Unity, at the Unity Worship Center is that you get to know one another so that when you see one of your brothers and sisters in the Lord that's never been invited to your house but they're breaking down right in the midst of service, you can go over, put a hand around their shoulder and say, it's going to be all right. 
You can actually go and pray for that person right then and there, and you don't have to know their name. But a ministry of our size, we should all know each other's names. We should all know what we need to be praying for for that person. Amen. So, so we do this also, also, so when people walk in or when you walk in, it doesn't play mind games with you. Look at all these seats and so little of us. No, no. We bring this thing down, and as the church grows, and I believe that this, we're in a season of where we're about to blow out the seams, I believe, then we'll just move the ropes back a little further. Now, for those of you that are COVID cautious, uh, next Sunday there will be chairs all across the top, all across the top for you that will be separated uh, if you are COVID cautious. Now, I want to say this. I want to say this, and I don't mean no harm when I say this. Now, you ain't COVID cautious when you're sitting in the, Walmart of, in the line of Walmart to get your stuff. I don't want you to be COVID cautious when it comes to church. It's, we, we put a whole lot of new rules into play when it comes to church that we wouldn't necessarily put in the rules of our lives as in our everyday living. But, but because I want to respect the fact of where you are and how you think and what you're concerned with, we will definitely have chairs and sections set up so that we are still community, we are still together, but we are still uh, operating in the facet that the Lord has shown me that this needs to be. Amen? All right. So that talks about our seating. You don't, you don't have to sit down in here if you're COVID cautious, but you, there will be sections for you uh, to still be community. We need to pray for Sister Brenda Jackson. She uh, just got home from the hospital. Uh, she has pneumonia again, again. You know, Sister Jackson, she is a mighty warrior for God. In the last couple of months, in the last four months, we've seen the enemy commit a brutal attack against her health. And so, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just come together as a family, as a unit, and we pray for Sister Brenda Jackson. We speak, decree, and declare healing all over her body from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. Father, deal with her lungs and everything that gets attacked when it's being attacked by, when the body is being attacked by pneumonia. We decree and declare her. We're not worried. We're not concerned. We're not busted up because we know that you are able. We know that you are the great I am. And so we speak, decree, and declare with confidence and expectation, supernatural healing to go over Sister Brenda Jackson's life right now. And God, give Melinda, her daughter, the strength and the patience and keep her with the desire to continue to love on her mother and take care of her precious mother as she does. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. See, we can say we're going to pray for somebody and then get caught up in the day and forget to pray for the people that we say we was going to pray for. I believe as true disciples of Christ that when somebody says, man, I need you to keep me in your prayers, not only am I going to keep you in my prayers, I'm going to pray for you right now. Amen. 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 Well, you know, I'm headed into work. Well, guess what? As long as we're praying, God going to keep the job. Don't worry about it. Work ain't going to get you. Amen. I think that we need to just start exhibiting our prayer life immediately. You got a woe. You came to the right one. I got prayer for you. Amen. Amen. Last week, thank you, man of God. Uh, last week, we started a series entitled State of Emergency. State of Emergency. And if ever there was a time for such a series, that time is now. Yes, we know what is all going on in the world, you know, with inflation and the pandemic and uh, gun violence. But as a pastor, a Christian pastor, I believe that there is another emergency going on in the church that many of us have yet to pay attention to. And once again, I see us failing or falling victim to the enemy's hands again. In Genesis chapter three, clause A of verse number one, the Bible says, 
Now the serpent, excuse me, was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God made. I want to stop right there because that's the part that I'm talking about. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field that the Lord God had made. I like what the Cambridge Dictionary had to say about cunning people. The definition of cunning people that the Cambridge Dictionary said was, cunning people are good at planning something so that they get what they want, especially by tricking other, other people. Cunning people are good at planning something so that they get what they want, especially by tricking other people. Now, the Cambridge def definition, what it does is it says it underlines some things, and it underlines the word planning. It lets you know that the word planning is important. It underlines the word want, what they want. It underlines the word especially. And it underlines the word tricking. So when we read it again, it says, now, cunning people are good at planning something so that they get what they want, especially by tricking other people. Now, I want you to understand one thing, and that is Satan wants something, and he wants something from you. And what it is that he wants from you is your soul. He wants your soul. And he will trick you in any fashion that he has to to get what it is that he wants. So I'm going to say this again. I, had to, I said it last week. Uh, we we, we work kind of hard for the word. So when we all in attendance, we kind of want people to pay attention to the word. And we got, we got a lot of time to talk after service. And I want everybody focused. Amen. Now, I want everyone to listen to this carefully. You have an enemy. You have an enemy. And though he may not deal with you directly because there are ranks to these spiritual armies, every demonic rank, no matter how petty or basic, leads back to him. I want you to understand this, okay? And, and, and here's the thing. Not only do I want you to understand it, I want you to know that it's true. And once you begin to understand that it is true, you begin to understand how you need to guard yourself more properly. And, and watch this. And, and then, you, and then you, you don't always find yourself back at square one. There's nothing more frustrating than to have a couple of weeks. Because <laughs> if, you, if you built anything the way I'm built, you know, I get a couple of weeks without tripping. And I think we should throw a party. Amen. Amen. So, 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 so it's nothing more frustrating to a person to be doing well for a little while just to find themselves back at the starting point again. Ain't nothing worse than having to go back to the altar next week from last week from last week's mess again. 
just wasted. I mean, how many times have you knew you had it defeated this time? How many times have you come down here, walked out and said, that is it? And you did all right till Wednesday. <laughs> and then by Wednesday, you found yourself a little weaker Friday, once again, you're a victim until Sunday, you guilt-tripping yourself all over again to walk back in on Sunday afternoon by the time it is time for altar call and come back to the altar and pray for it again. And this is what the enemy does. You ever come to the altar for something that you're truly struggling with and you've been struggling with it for a while? And as you get up to go to the altar, you ain't even talk to the pastor. You ain't talk to nobody, but you're headed to, and you're going to bypass the pastor uh, because you want to get straight. You want to talk straight to God. You don't want man involved in this, and that don't bother me. But this is what the enemy does. Anybody ever felt like this? When you got down and you got up out of your seat, immediately you felt like all eyes was on you. And everybody knew your struggle. And the more you walked, the dirtier you felt. The more you walk, the more ashamed you felt. And, and, and by that third step, you really wanted to turn around and just go sit down hoping that nobody had seen you. But, you had, but the enemy had psyched you out so powerfully that you already feel like everybody is watching you. So that by the time that you get down to the altar, oh, Lord, you're not really even focused or fixated on what it is that you're going through. You're more so hoping, Lord, don't let them know what's going on with me. He's cunning. He plays a game. He tricks you. And I want to say this to every person who claims to be saved but does not have a regular Bible life. That does not, I'm not talking about a devotional I'm talking about a study life. For those of you who claim to be saved but you have no study life, he will always be able to play you because you do not know how to look out for him. Now, I want, I want everyone to listen to this carefully. You have an enemy. You have an enemy. Now, I've got some very important information concerning all of us, but some of us in general, but all of us. So if there is ever a day to pay attention, that day would be today. And here's the first thing that I want you to know. The moment that you truly got saved, the moment that you really gave your life to Christ, you became Satan's enemy. Now, don't get this twisted. He always hated you. He always hated you. But he didn't attack you. And he was, watch this, and he was always attacking you. But the reason it didn't feel like attack and attack was because you was rocking with him in the attack towards you. Yeah. Yeah, you see what I'm saying to you? So I want you to understand. It's like being in high school saying over and over again. I want you to understand that you have an enemy. And, 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 and he, he was your enemy when you was in the world. But when you decided that you wasn't going to serve him and destroying you any longer... He caught a real chip. And now he's, 
He's really after you. He always hated you. That's why he enticed your flesh the way that he did. So that after he tricked you into the bed with that man or that woman, or after he tricked you into smoking that pipe or drinking that alcohol that would lead to different types of messed up things, he played you through that trickery by, by turning that trickery on you. So, so the very thing that you thought you was having such a good time with is now the very thing that is tearing you apart. He betrayed you <laughs> with how he flattered you. Ooh. Lord, have mercy. Think, think about it quickly and then, and then admit by raising your hand. Yeah, yeah my flesh has, uh, has got down with the enemy's temptation a few times, and each time I ended up playing myself. Is that true for anybody? Yeah, my, my flesh, my, you know, my flesh has has gotten me in some situations that where I've, I've end up, ended up playing myself. And, and, and the Holy Spirit put this on my heart this morning. Uh, oftentimes when I talk about how Satan has duped us, and I, and I don't know why I think, but I just think it's important to, to relate. Uh, oftentimes when I talk about Satan has duped us through tempting our, our deceitful hearts, we tend to think about how women got played or how men lied to women and, and got them to do what they wanted and then bounced. We, we tend to think like that. Men, I want you to understand that every time we played a woman into bed, out of their money or any other circumstance, and then was on to the next one, we didn't play them as much as Satan played us. Can I just go ahead and say this? We brought our own stock down. You, you understand what I'm saying to you? While, while being used by the enemy to devalue them, we were also devaluing ourselves and setting up an appointment with ourselves and God to give an account of all the madness that we were a part of. And so a lot of times, you know, when I preach, it seems like, you know, I'm, I'm you know, like I'm always talking about how the woman is getting played. But the reality is sin begat sin. Uh, deceiving ourselves and others. So, so a lot of times when, 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 when you know, I, and I feel it in the spirit a lot of times, our women will go, yeah, I let him lie, lie to me, and, I, and he just got away. He didn't get away with anything, beloved. He didn't get away with anything. You ought to bless the Lord. Watch this. I'm going to show you spiritual maturity. You ought to bless the Lord that he got you, that God got you away from that thing. But spiritual maturity is when you can look at the ones that deceived you and pray for them. Now, now, let me speak to y'all's flesh. I said pray for them, not call them and talk to them about it. I said pray for them, not jump in their inbox and say something like, I just want you to know that after all we've been through, I'm still praying for you. Watch out. You got a flesh. Just pray for them. Don't pray for them until you get to church. If that's, if that's going to help you stay right, but just pray for them. Okay? See, see, and I say that because... Somebody in here might be going, somebody might in here might be wanting to talk to their victimizer anyway. Isn't it funny how we can love the very thing that hates us? We can want back the very thing that almost destroyed us. But, but we've got to get to a point in God where I can pray for those that offended me. I can pray for those that let me down. I can pray for those that broke my heart. But that don't mean I got to have a conversation with you. You understand what I'm saying to you? 
And so, and so, and so, so again, I, want, I need you to understand that the moment that you became real about serving God, about your relationship with God, you became a target on whatever le level of the enemy's list. And I say that because a lot of people think that you say things wrong. You say things like, you know, the devil is after me. You know, the devil, the devil was bothering me from the moment that I woke up. No, he wasn't. It wasn't him. Because there's ranks to this. And I'm sorry, but the devil, you know, believe it or not, he's, he's kind of a busy guy. So he's not going to come touch down and feel like he has to disrupt somebody's morning that don't have a prayer life. Why does he have to disrupt your morning when you ain't going to start your morning with God? There's levels to this. He's got, he's got workers for that. He's got an army for that. Now, I don't know about anybody else, but I think that you should always want to be on the level of that army that where you don't get nobody else but the enemy after you. Because that means that you are sold out for real, for real. And before we claim to be sold out for real, for real, maybe we should look at the Bible and see what sold out people look like. Maybe we should take everything before the Lord before we just decree and declare that I'm sold out for real. Because you might be so far away from the truth. Now, I want you to understand something. i got to report this to you. i got to report this to you, and this is major. This is, this is deep right here. I mean, it's critical for everyone to hear, and not just hear, but understand, and not just understand, but receive. One of the most cunning moves the enemies, in the enemy's playbook is tricking people into believing that they are saved. I shared this with you uh, once before. There was a book that I read uh, by Charles Spurgeon, and it was called, uh, I can't remember, I'll, I'll get it, I'll get it. Somebody will remind me of it. Uh, Screwface letters. And, and the letters, one of the guys, the, the head demons, they were going to, they had these people that they were training on how to, the other demons on how to come at people. And, and one part of the book, the demon had allowed the person that was in training, had allowed the person that he was over to go to church. And, and, and the head demon contacted him and said, now, you know you're in trouble. We're going to get you. We're going to get you because you should have never let him get to the point to where he goes to church. But... We're not that upset with you because we kind of want them to go to church. Because once they go to church, they'll look around and watch people and then want nothing else to do with church. The enemy is not concerned about you going to church. In fact, he likes it when you go to church coming from the club. <laughs> he likes it when you come to church half drunk. He likes the fact that you play church and ain't really doing church. In fact, he likes the fact that you do church but don't do Jesus. So I need everybody to understand that, that you have to understand and you have to know for a fact that you are saved. Because the enemy will have you believing that you're saved when you're nowhere near it. And can't nobody tell you something that us as pastors have been we've, been, we've been battling with over the last couple of years is you can't tell nobody that they ain't saved. Even though the whole book is right here and I'm, I'm showing you out every, every issue and ism that's popping off that stops you, that, that should make you go, maybe I ain't where I should be. You still better not tell nobody that they ain't saved. Because when you tell them that, they might not come back again. Amen. See, Satan understands that most people are bound to tradition or they will copy those people who were in their lives growing up as well as the people around them now. And because of that, 
we have a city full of messy churches. So if our mothers and grandmothers, uh-oh, here we go. If our mothers and grandmothers done church but not Jesus, <laughs> then most likely what happens is we will do church and not Jesus but because the commitment level has dwindled since the days of our mothers and grandmothers, we don't stay as long as they did with the commitment. I, I dare to say that a lot of older churches had people that was sold out to the pastor, sold out to the usher board, and sold out to their title, but was not as sold out to Jesus. I went to a funeral one time, and the lady said, I've been a part of this church for 39 years. And when I looked around the church, the church was immaculate. There wasn't a speck of dirt anywhere in the church. Everything was, everything was uniform. Everything was in order, A, B, C, D. And I mean, it was moving with excellence. You hear me? But when the lady said that she had been a part of the church for 39 years, and the person that was about to be eulogized had been there for 27 years, you understand what I'm saying to you? I understood that there was a commitment. Now, I didn't know them to know if it was a commitment to God, but I did know that there was a commitment to the church. Today, you'll be hard-pressed to get somebody to stay in a church 27 months, let alone 27 years. Today, you'll be long-pressed for someone who says that they will do this, this part of the ministry, to do it for at least two months. You, you'll be hard-pressed, especially in our church. You, you understand what I'm saying to you? So, so we say things like, so the dynamics change every couple of months. And you say things like, they always change. And no, you always changing. And that causes us to change. You, you always committing and breaking your word. And, that's, and let me just say this to everybody that's working under somebody. If you are constantly an issue in your ministry, step down from your ministry. Step, step, if, if somebody always got to talk to you, if, somebody, if it's always, step down from your ministry. Love your church enough to step down from that ministry. Amen. Amen. Maybe that ain't for you. Maybe we got something else you can do. But if you've been an issue from day one for your ministry, give that ministry a break. See, see, you're supposed to serve with love. If I'm going to clean the toilets, I'm cleaning them with love because you understand what I'm saying to you? I understand that I'm not cleaning the, to the toilets for Kevin. I'm cleaning the toilets for the Lord. In the house of the, and I bet you these are going to be the cleanest toilets that you've ever seen because glory is connected next to them. See, 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 the old, the old saints would say, if my house can be clean, then you better believe the church going to be clean. Amen. So, 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 but what I learned, though, uh, the, the, the more that I got into church, uh, once I got free, was that, that a lot of people in the old days were connected to the church, the pastor, the title, and that's why they could get out. I mean, they could shout, they could scream, they could do all of that stuff and cuss you out before they get out of the parking lot. <laughs> yeah, before you get out of the parking lot. Because they was connected to the church and not connected to Jesus. Now, this is about to get deep. This is about to get deep. I dare even deeper to say that all of us have had people akin to us or in our lives that played a major role in our lives, that talked Jesus, sung Jesus songs, and may even, may even have went to church. But when you look back on it now, like I said before, they would cut somebody out if they felt disrespected. They had someone in their life that, that always talked Jesus, uh, but had somebody in their life that they wasn't married to. Mm -hmm. 
and, 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 and when you really think about it, there's a few more things that they did that didn't really line up with the word of God. But, but you loved them, and you love them. And, and they was your people, and that's okay. Because, you know, and, and I'm not God, and I don't have a heaven or a hell to put any, anybody in. And so that's not the point that I'm making. You understand what I'm saying to you? But, but what I can say with confidence is that God wants us to do better. You understand what I'm saying to you? Everybody got somebody in their life that talks Jesus but was hellish. Amen? You better be glad I'm saved. Well, you done said it all. I mean, no, no, I, mean, I just said it. I mean, I might have cussed him out, but, but you know I would have put my hands on him. Well, what you said was like putting your hands on him. You still sin. See, and I want you to get this foolish notion out of your head that because you didn't say it all, the Bible says, well, if you thought it. If you thought it. I want you to understand that God is not mocked. What you reap. And some of you are trying to figure out why you keep reaping or you keep, you keep uh, sowing. What, I mean, you keep what you sow, you will reap. Some of you are trying to figure out why you keep reaping bad fruit. Because you're sowing bad fruit. And so let me, let me warn some of us in this building and on the live today, one of the enemy's great schemes is letting you come to church while you're in the midst of your mess and thinking that you're still okay. I want you to understand it doesn't work that way. And what I need you to understand is that you have an enemy. How do we know that we have an enemy? Let's look at 1 Peter 5 and 8. We're going to look at it in three different versions. 1 Peter 5 and 8. And it says, the first one we're going to look at is in the New King James Version. And it says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, adversary means what? Enemy. The devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So some of you know what I'm going to say. You see that word may? May was meant to be a month, not your destiny. I want you to understand in this verse, may represents a destiny. About like, like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Are you may people or are you saved people? Saved people cannot be devoured by the enemy. They know too much. They're too grounded. They're too focused. Now, you can, you can, you can know the Bible and not be saved. You understand what I'm saying to you? I can, I can do math up to a certain level, but that doesn't make me a mathematician. It just makes me somebody that knows some math. He says, be sober, be vigilant. So, so some of you might say, well, I'm sober. I ain't drunk in years. But you could be drunk in your mentality. You could be drunk with how you think. And that's why I always say that after the Bible, everybody should read the big book. Because we have a lot of dry drunks walking around the church. A lot of people who haven't taken a drink in years, but they're drunk off their self. Oh, God. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the adversary means enemy. Now, I want to show it to you in the New Living Translation because I want to make it clear. I want to make it plain. It says, stay alert. Quit walking around here like you ain't got somebody that's out to kill you. That's out to kill everything that you are connected to. That's out to destroy your destiny. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy. He's not just an enemy 
like on the workforce. The enemy on the workforce can't destroy your home. He can only destroy your job. But this enemy right here, Lord have mercy, he's not playing for your job. He's not playing for your soul. He's playing for your eternity. Misery love company, and he wants all the company he can get. And so watch this. He says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy. And in case you don't know, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. People of God, beloved, you are not devourable. If that's a word, if it's not, it's in my dictionary now. You cannot be devoured by the enemy if you are saved. Why? You know too much. Somebody say, you know too much. What do you know? I know the enemy when I see him. I know something that is contrary to the word of God. How do I know something that is contrary to the word of God? Because I know the word of God. Can we just tell the truth? I want to just prove a point because y'all didn't even know what to say. So I'm going to prove my point with this. How many times have you done something and did not know it was sin until you got in the word? Stay alert. Watch this. And you don't get to, I get to let my guard down because I'm on vacation. Can I tell some of you, <laughs> and I don't know why the Holy Spirit deals with me about this all the time. When I see people going on vacation, I'll be like, now you know you took more pictures than that. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, if Kim and Kenneth go on vacation, Kim's got 932,625 photos, and we're going to see them all, right? And she ain't got nothing to hide in none of them. If some of us in here go on vacation, the Lord is telling me this right now. You took 10, and we're going to get to see two because you don't feel like cropping. Yeah, yeah. So some of you want no time to figure out why you ain't had a vacation because you can't afford salvation-wise a vacation. You ain't there yet. You should never go on vacation and have to come home and repent. Oh, Lord. You, you are still saved on vacation. Some of you saying, yeah, I don't put no pictures on my vacation because that ain't none of y'all's business. No, 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 that's not really why. You know who your pastor is, and you know that he will call, and you know we got a church that will tell on each other, and so when it gets wrong, it's going to get back to me, and, and I'm going to take a look at you because I love you. Amen? I'm going to say something because I love you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you better be glad you got somebody to love you like that. You know, always in my business. Well, you and you welcome. Bet you think about it next vacation. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Let's go to the last one. Let's go to the last one. The, the Amplified blew my mind on this one, and it was just some, a few words in here I wanted to discuss with you about it because I think it's so important. Uh, be sober, well-balanced, and self-disciplined. I want to tell y'all this story so bad. <sighs> Oops, self-discipline. Be sober. Well-balanced <laughs> well and self-disciplined. Be alert and cautious at all times. Do you hear this? That enemy of yours, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, 
fiercely hungry, seeking someone to devour. Now, this is powerful. Let's go back to the beginning of it. This is powerful right here. Uh, be sober, well-balanced. Beep, beep, beep. State of emergency. Three times it warns us. Be sober. Be alert. Be sober. And I love what the Amplified says. It says, uh, uh, and I want you to write this down, be well-balanced and self-disciplined. Some of you just need to take your phones out, put that in your notes. And some of you need to make like, and, and I'm not dissing you when I say this. This is real. If you know you've got issues in certain areas, put those issues on front street in every area of your life. Put them on the dashboard. So then when you, because ah, somebody broke out in traffic, you be disciplined. Self-discipline. You know better than that. Yeah, yeah. Put it on the, the desk at work. If you work in a factory, put it somewhere where you can Put it on the, on, the, on the inside of the badge so you can you, be disciplined. Put it on the refrigerator. Why? Because you need to constantly be, in a mind, be mindful of the fact that I don't want to trip. I told you last week that when I got saved in a jail, I carried the Bible with me everywhere I went because there was opposition all around me. Not necessarily people that I had you know, issues with, but there was just evil all around me, and I saw it all the time. And some of it, hey, just to be real, in my natural, in my carnal, I wanted to be a part of. But this Bible reminded me of the new me, you see. Don't find it to be a weak thing that you have to kind of, you know, set it up so that you don't fail. That's strength for real. That's finally giving a care about yourself. You understand what I'm saying to you? Now, I didn't go to any theological study on this or anything, but well-balanced, you know, with the word well-balanced, so don't expect nothing deep, but here's what I got. When I think about uh, <laughs> the times in which we are now, most people who frequent church on a regular basis can't quote 10 scriptures, but can run down storylines of 10 different Prime Video, Netflix, and Hulu shows without stumbling on one part. I, I know a lot of people who can tell you the latest slang, Facebook news, and when the newest Jordans come out in church 24-7, but can't explain justification, sanctification, or salvation for that matter. Now, here's the problem with that. How are you going to last in something that you don't know about? You remember when you got the job and you learned the history of the job? You learned why you did the job? You learned how the job benefits the world or who deals with your job? It became more to you, didn't it? Because you had an understanding of what it was that you were doing with all you're getting, getting an understanding. You, 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 had a, you had an understanding of the role of your employment in the world. You took the time to get to know your job. And if you did that, you showed up early. You was pressed out about being late. You didn't like being late. You, you had a good appearance when you went to work. 
you believed in your job. You believed in the company. It wasn't just about the money because those things tire you out. You, you, when it's just about the money, you can get tired quick. But when you love what you do, when you're really cool with what you do, you're better at what it is that you're doing. How in the world do you think that most of us that come into the church are coming from a place of not being churched? And, 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 and let's just be real. Some of us just come from a place of Candyland Christianity. And then you come into a church that is preaching the word and preaching the word hard. How do you think that you're going to do and for how long do you think you're going to do well if you don't know what you're connected to? So, so, so when, the, when, when the unbeliever says something like, so are you sanctified? You don't know. Hey, I always hear people talk about this word justification. What's that mean? And you can't explain it. And you shouldn't be calling me or calling other people when you're in the midst of witnessing to somebody saying, what does this mean? Google is free. You see, you have to care about what you're into to the point that you know something about it. Or you won't last in it. You won't make it. You can say all the little churchy things and put all those little posts up that you want to about God, but if it ain't the word of God, if it's not doctrinal correct, it don't make no difference. When hell tries you, you will get played. So it says to be well balanced. Get this. And I don't have a problem with anybody keeping up with fashion, but let's talk about fashion. Unless, and I don't have a problem with that unless fashion keeps you in sin. As long as your fashion isn't sinful, I don't got a problem with fashion. You understand what I'm saying to you? Now, now just because you don't, and, and let me just say this about fashion. Just because you don't agree with it don't make it wrong. But we got a lot of Christians there because you don't agree with it, it's just wrong. You understand what I'm saying to you? And sometimes we can be so strong in our opinions that we will bring God into something that he has absolutely no concern about. I believe shopping is fine. But when you give them all your money and don't give your church, when you have to sit back and decide if you're going to pay your light bill or pay or get your hair done, we have some issues. When, when you sitting back and you trying to figure out, you know, you know, how you going to get groceries and your nails done. Man, don't be, don't be, don't be acting like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because a whole lot of us are driving what we shouldn't have. Putting all type of stress on the, on, on the house and, 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 and the finances. and Yeah. So, so being well balanced, when you spend more time on TV and or Facebook than you do in your word, you need to work on the balance and the priorities of your life. Well balanced. God ain't, God ain't got no problem with you watching a wholesome show. <laughs> but if you're going to watch shows that's going to have you ready to cuss the next person that call your phone out, you probably shouldn't watch that show. So I'm going to tell on this first lady that y'all think is so wholesome and holy in hopes that y'all will like me more. <laughs> so last night, we was scrolling down the TV. Well, no, it wasn't last night. It was the night before last. Because last night, I, I was asleep by 7. So, so the other night, we come in. And we were scrolling down the TV, right? So, you know, we like, I like, you know, I'm just telling her, like, as soon as she grabbed the TV remote, I said, look, we're down here watching TV together. I don't want to watch no Andy Griffin. I don't want to watch the Golden Girls. 
I don't want to watch Fix It or List It. I don't want to watch any of that. Can we just watch something with a little bit of action? And she said, oh, no, okay, I'm not feeling that, feeling that either. I got you. And she goes, now, y'all ready for what y'all's first lady did? <laughs> Mr. Abe and Sanctified? She went to Scarface. Scarface was on the thing, and she said, ooh, my movie. Yeah, I'm telling it. I show sure am. That's now, what I want to show y'all what just happened was an Adam spirit. It was that woman that you gave me, you know, the blaming spirit. And, and, and I'm going to tell y'all something. So, so, so now y'all, I've, since I've exposed your first lady, come back to me because I'm acting righteously. I said to her, I said to her, she said, ooh, my movie. And I said, I said, I said, we can't watch that. I'm in a bad place right now. You understand what I'm saying to you? My money ain't right right now. I don't need to watch Scarface. Uh, did you know? I can't. I can't watch that right now. I'm not in a good place. And I'm not saying that I'm going to watch Scarface. And the next thing y'all know, y'all going to have a kilo-toting pastor. <laughs> I'm not saying that. <laughs> but what I am saying is, I don't need to give the enemy no room. Yeah. Ephesians 4 and 27, give no room to the devil. I don't need to give no room to the enemy. You understand what I'm saying to you? And I, and I bless God because she said, okay. See, see, you got to be connected to people that, that know when to say, okay. We ain't got to talk about it. We ain't got to get into it. I ain't got to come over and lay hands on you and we have prayer. If you was real enough to say that, I'm real enough to just to give you an okay. See? So, 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 if you, if you got more time on Facebook and you got more time on TV and all that, let me, can I show you something? Why is it, let me show, I'm going to show you the enemy, how he works in the world. Why is it that eating healthy is expensive, but to take your attention, it's cheap? You have access to, between those three things that I named, Prime, uh, Hulu, and, and Netflix, you have access to over 100,000 things to watch for $6.99, $7.99, $15.99. Super cheap for a month. They pay to take your attention away from what you should be doing. But in order to be a healthy witness for the Lord, you need food stamps to be able to eat healthy. Yeah, yeah. You, you, need, you need more money than what the average household has to eat healthy. Yeah, you, you'll need some assistance to eat healthy. Y'all think that it's just some type of, you know, and you blame it. And here's what the enemy does. It's the government. They playing games with your money. Baby, don't you know Satan's in the government? And these people, it, we ain't wrestling against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against spiritual principalities. You understand what I'm saying to you? And I ain't talking about somebody that's next, sitting next to you. You better, you better wonder why is it that every, hold on, why is it 21 drugs in USDAB? 
That's why when most of you eat a hamburger, all of you eat a hamburger, you bite it, and before you can pull out of it, you bite it again because your saliva glands are addicted to the drugs that's in the beef that make you grow. You better ask questions about why all of a sudden our 10-year-olds and 12-year-olds look like they 27-year-olds when growing up. They wasn't built like that at all unless it was just in their genetic makeup. But now all of a sudden you can buy a pack of chicken for a year and your child look like she's grown. You better... And, so, so watch this. Since she looks like she's grown, she get grown man attention. And because she's dealing with low self-esteem on the strength that everybody else makes her big a problem and he makes her big a flattery, now all of a sudden she's down to get down with the man that's twice her age. Y'all don't hear me up in here. We have an enemy. We are in a state of emergency. And we spend so much time talking bad about our politicians instead of praying for them. He didn't say pray for those. He didn't, he didn't say pray for them if you like them. Do you know that I, if I was to be a betting man, I would bet that 98% of the people, let's just say at the Unity Worship Center, don't even pray about the politicians. Because we're too busy wrapped in the web that we're in, begging our way out of that. And there's a difference between begging and prayer. And that's why some of the things that you've asked God for, you don't see because you didn't ask, you boo-hooed. You will never be well balanced if the majority of your Monday through Saturday night is connected to sin in one way or another. Let me say that again. You will never be balanced in the majority of your, in, if, if the majority of your Monday through Saturday night is connected to sin in one way or another. Then you come to church for an hour and a half on Sunday, shout, cry, and say you sorry, then go right back home to sin. Unity Worship Center, I'm taking special interest in this because this is where we keep coming up short, thinking that because we are okay with our, because, thinking that because we are okay with our relationship with God, that God is okay with the relationship with us. I promise you he's not. I promise you he's not. How, how, many, how many will not be real enough to admit this, that our relationship with God is hurt? So let me show you what hurt is. Hurt is when you are out of alignment with God on any level. It's hurt. Let me see it again. How many of us will admit that? Okay. So, 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 when, what do you do when your tooth hurts? You go to the dentist. And you go to the dentist to get it fixed. What do you do when your eyes start tripping? You go to the eye doctor so that you can get them straight. What do you do when your car starts running funny? You take it to the mechanic so you can find out what the problem is and get it fixed. Well, if you know that your relationship with God is hurt, isn't right, why wouldn't you get back to God so that you can get it back together? We'll feel the pain in our tooth and run to the dentist, fearful of how much this is going to hurt and because you understand how bad a toothache can get. We're, fear, we're fearful about our eyes because I got to be able to see. I got to hurry up and get to give me an appointment to the. Well, whatever it is on our body that is racking with pain, we'll hurry up and get to the doctor because you, now, 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 there's only one thing. Oh, God. <laughs> there's only one thing worse than the, than the person that, that operates in that manner is, is the person that when you realize that your tooth is bad, you keep eating things that ain't good for it and you go without going to the dentist. Uh, when, when you realize that, that your eyesight is bad, but now it's to the point to where you're needing somebody to drive you around, 
or, 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 or by the time, don't be one of these people, you know, that knows that the car ain't running right, hears the knock and smells the smoke, but, but, but just too busy to stop and get it checked out. And by the time that you get it to the garage, it had to be towed in. And, and, and you find out that by not getting it to the mechanic sooner, the damage is far worse than what it would, been, what it would have been. And, and guess, get this, the repair is going to be costly. It, it will cost you to heal. It will cost you to be made whole. It will cost you uh, to start over again. We are in a state of emergency, and we have to do something about it. What do you mean it's going to cost us something? I heard it. It didn't cost you nothing. No, it's going to cost you something when you've been out of whack and then you're trying to get back intact because what are you going to have to give up? The things that you chose, the things that you became one with, the things that, you, that you're having a hard time to let go. It's hard to let go of some of those sinful things despite how they're doing you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You stuck around with it. You held on to it. You was down with it far longer than what you should have been. Not because it was great for you, but because it was with you. And you was conditioned to at least, even if it's doing me wrong, at least I got one. So as I said before, that we know what's going on in the world. But truth being told, we have some pandemics going on in our personal lives. We, we, we have some, in our own lives, we have some state of emergencies going on. And here's the first thing that you need to do if you are in the state of emergency. Repent and walk away from everything that is keeping you separate from God. Because what's keeping you from God is what has you in the state of emergency. Pastor, I know what you're saying to me, but, 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 but what am I going to do? I mean, you know, it's, I, but, but I love them. Go through it. I know that everybody's looking for some deep theological uh, you know, reasoning or understanding or give me your scripture that's going to, no, 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 no. What you, the pain that you're going to have to go through is the consequence of being connected to it in the first place. So you got to go through what you got to go through to get to the healing that God has for you. And then the reason that he lets you go through it, the reason that he lets you feel the pain, the reason that he lets you cry the tears, the reason why he lets you go through all of what you got to go through is so that you will remember next time because it's going to try you again. It's going to have the audacity to try and play you again after you come out of it. He lets you go through it so that as you're going through it, you will remember the next time. Because when it, you ever got delivered from something, Got away from something, somebody, and then you've seen them in passing six months later. Don't they look so much better than what they did the last time you've seen them? Oh, and, and, and they say stuff. They say everything that you want to hear. They say it all. And you thinking to yourself, why couldn't you have been like that when we was together? Because they ain't like that now. They just know what they did wrong. Watch this. And they miss your debit. They miss your credit. They miss Y'all ain't hearing me up in here. They miss your car. They miss all of the things that came with you that made life easier for them. It's amazing to me how we will let everybody use us but God. God don't need your money. He don't need your credit. He don't need your car. In fact, you're the reason you got all that. Now I bought your car, but I'm going to need to use it from time to time. No. So I talked about this formula, and I don't know, I don't think that we had our bulletins out today, but the bulletin, but the formula was in the bulletin. And I want to talk to you, I talked about it on the video, um, the morning motivation, 
I want to talk to you about the formula and we're done. Yeah, yeah, we're done. I'm running late. Philippians 4, chapter, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. I'm going to run through this, I promise. I'm not going to keep you long. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Going through verse number 7. You got 7 up there? If not, I'll read it real quickly. Then you will, thank you, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace, excuse me, will guard your hearts and minds as you live, get this, in Christ Jesus. All right, so let's go back to six. Here's the formula. Number one, don't worry about anything. Now, that's going to be hard for you, for those of you who worry about everything. But today, you're going to have to make up in your mind, I trust him. And since I trust him, I'm not going to worry about anything. It's crushing me but I'm not going to worry about anything. Part number two. Let's go back to that first part in six. Let me go. All right. Part no, step number two. Instead, oh no, go back to six, baby. Instead, pray about everything. So I'm not going to worry. Instead, I'm going to pray about anything, about everything. Amen? I'm going to pray about everything. Why is that going to be hard for some of us? Because we don't pray about anything. When hell happens, we automatically get into do mode. Let me see how I can bring myself out of this. Can I tell you how you know you can't bring yourself out of it? Because if you was wise enough to bring yourself out of it, you would have been wise enough not to get in it in the first place. So, so stop trying to get out the way and give what's going on to him. Now, this blew my mind. And again, I'm no theologian. The third step is tell God what you need. So you would wonder, in step two, he says, pray to me about everything. But in step three, he says, tell me what you need. Because oftentimes in the praying, step two, is where the boo-hooing happens. It's usually, <laughs> he says, when you get done with all of that, now I need you to tell me what you need. I need you to act like you know who I am. Tell me what you need. Because if, you, if you've been, if you've been, if your prayer life more so consists with begging than it does with, than it does with telling God his word, then your prayer life is going to suffer a little bit. It's not going to do what you need it to. So in step three, he says, now I need you to tell me what you need. It's going to be hard for you to cast your cares on God if you haven't practiced with the little things. In order to cast some of your greatest hells on God or trials and tribulations on God, you're going to have to have trusted him with the little things because it builds a confidence for you to give him the bigger things. I want you to understand this, and I want you to write this down. God does not need you to help you. He just needs you to trust him to help you. I need you to do nothing. I need you to go buy nothing. I need you to you understand. He does not need you to help you. He's God. The third, the fourth thing, the fourth thing was give God a praise. 
tell God what you need to confess and thank him for all he's done. Because when you begin to thank him for what he's done, what happens is you begin to remember what he's, you, you can't thank him for what he's done without remembering what he's done. And it begins to give you a confidence for the future and the present things that you're going through at that very moment. So when I can get excited in prayer, when I can shout for what he's done for me in times past, I can look at the things that I'm going through now and say, I will stand fast. I'm going to sit still and see the salvation of the Lord. He has delivered me before, so I know he will deliver me again. We are in a state of emergency, church. And the emergency is that we don't know the formula. All of these things that's taking place, we should not be super excited about because we saw it in the word. Jesus said these times were going to come. So this isn't going to snatch my attention. This isn't going to mess me up and keep me up at nights. That's not, in actuality, the emergency. The emergency is how the world is acting, but how the church isn't. The emergency is, in actuality, how the church is reacting to how the world is acting. The emergency is we operate without the formula. Don't worry about anything, number one. Number two, we're going to pray about everything. Number three, we're going to tell him what we need all the time. And then number four, we're going to give him a praise for what he's already done. And look what he promises in verse number seven when you'll do that. He says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace, watch this, will guard your hearts and mind as we live in Christ Jesus. Get this, it says, it, his peace will guard how our flesh loves to think because our flesh loves to worry. Our flesh loves to be overly concerned. Our, and he says that the peace of God will guard us against all of that. Look at this beautiful gift we get on the strength of using the formula. That is the state of emergency. Not that the world is being the world, but that the church is not being the church. And if anybody, if anybody's going to play a major role in things shifting and things getting under control and becoming better, it's going to have to be the church. Why are we concerned with what Washington is doing when the power is on the inside of us? He didn't say vote for, he didn't say pray for who you voted for. He said, pray for your governing authorities, all of them. We don't get to hate nobody. We don't get to say, well, because I'm not Republican or because I'm not Democrat, or because I'm, I'm, I'm not an independent. We, we don't get to say any of that. We are mandated to pray. And watch this, when you can begin to pray for people that you don't care for, it is a, it is a sign and a testament to spiritual maturity. God, I want to be so in you that I can pray for people that I know can't stand me. God, I want to be so into you that I can pray for people that I know don't mean me no good. God, 
I want to be so into you that you can give me a word for somebody that I don't even know, never seen before in my life, and I can have the confidence to walk up to him and say what thus saith the Lord. We are in a state of emergency, not just as a church as a whole, but we are in a state of emergency in our own spiritual lives. We've given up on the things of God. We don't pray no more when it gets crazy. Or we only pray when it's crazy. Can I just tell you about what that's going to bring when you only pray when it's crazy? It makes you get up from prayer not knowing if your prayer even got through. But wouldn't you want a life with God that you know that every time that you said, my father, you feel heaven shift. Daddy, all of a sudden something on the inside of you quickens. Yes, my son. Yes, my daughter. He said, he said, I'll receive you as sons and daughters if you come out from what ain't clean. Some of you are going to have to decide that what ain't clean ain't as important as what is holy. He said, be ye holy, for I am holy. Oh, Lord, have mercy. So today I want to invite you. I want to invite you to a very special altar call that is going to have nothing to do with me. From this day forward, I sat down with my wife and I talked to her dearly and deeply about it. I said, I'm getting ready to get back into this book so heavily. I said, I'm about to crawl back into the pages of Scripture because I, I need to be so connected to him. If today that you know that you're not where you should be in God, despite how good God has been to you, I want to open the altar to you. And I want you to come down and work that thing out with God. Work that thing out with God on your own. I don't mind to pray with you, but just in all honesty, God has what you need. The altar is open right now for anyone who says, you know what, it ain't, it ain't where it should be. But I'm getting back to a heart of worship. I'm getting back to a, a heart of humility. I'm getting back to where I can be used again. Used by the kingdom of God instead of the kingdom of darkness. You know what, I let the kingdom of darkness use me for far too long. And if I, if I can let the kingdom of darkness use me, then I know I can let the kingdom of light use me. Today, if you have a desire in your heart to say, I want to start over again with God, and from this day forward, they're going to see a power on me, resonating from me, through me, like they've never seen before, the altar is open.